Welcome to the most inappropriate book club you never knew you were missing. Featuring at least three different books every week. Starring Martha Steele. The weirder the book, the better. Vonnie Golden. Historical fiction with a side of trauma porn. Megan Runyon. Reading YA and whatever her current fixation is. These people are passionate about books. Maybe a little too passionate. Plotting world domination one book at a time. They are three book girls. It sprouts. It gave us all the hiccups. You ever had the hiccups while you're dead asleep, Pat? No. And they wake you up? That is an experience I have never had. It's so freaking weird. I don't understand. I don't understand how it could possibly happen. That is, I mean, what's it, does your mind accommodate it? Does it work it into your dream? So no, that, I startled like, myself out of sleep. It's happened a couple of times, but the last time it happens was yesterday. I have not had that problem. And I, I like startled myself awake thinking I was choking or something, I guess. Yeah, I would think it would be kind of frightening. Yeah, scared the crap out of me. I have this weird thing where every everything that's different that happens to me now that I've had cancer is like, oh my God, it must be cancer. Oh my, <laughs> stay off WebMD. I have hiccup cancer. <laughs> <laughs> hey, there, who was, wasn't there a girl a couple like years ago that had hiccups for like for a long time? Yeah, there's yeah, some guy who had the hiccups for years. Um, I think that was an episode on ER. So. Patrick Stewart had a whole thing in his autobiography that I reviewed last week about being able to cure the hiccups that he had learned this technique from somebody. And he'd been sworn to secrecy. He couldn't say what it was, but he said, I can look a person in the eyes and just make a mental contact with them and they will stop hiccuping. I mean, if Patrick, <laughs> if Patrick Stewart looked me deep in my eyes, I'm, sorry, I'm sure but it would cure a lot is of things. Bullshit. I'd probably, probably just pass out and that might stop the hiccuping. <laughs> I'd be too shocked. I'd be like, I'm sorry, is Sir Patrick Stewart looking me in the face right now? I would, right. I call bullshit on that. I don't think my hiccups would go away because all the blood would go from my head to other regions of my body. <laughs> <laughs> There's a verbal and a looking component because he swears that even into their adulthood, his children would call him if they had a case of hiccups they couldn't get rid of, and he could do this over the phone with them because they had such a close connection. So, Sworn to so, secrecy yeah, in my ear. One of the weird little things is that he's got magical hiccup. He could have power. the cure for cancer, and he wouldn't tell us, is what Pat say. So you're saying there is such a thing as hiccup cancer? <laughs> I wish you could all see Echo right now. She's sitting here between Vani and I begging for cheese treats. And, and every once in a while, I just get like a paw to the thigh. Like, excuse me, bitch. Uh, <laughs> Where's my cheese? <laughs> I don't have any more. <laughs> you have one piece left. You, no That's more. It. No mas. <laughs> it's just like this paw. And just, like... just to be clear here, those are not cheese treats. They're cheese. <laughs> the actual thing, because I was eating it earlier. And let me just tell you that if you're not a fan of sausage and you plan to share a snack box from Sprouts and it has sausage in it, the sausage will contaminate every other thing that's in the box. Yep. So the cucumbers taste like sausage. They taste like cucumbers to me. I, I, and the cheese I think tastes you're like too sausage. Sensitive. 
The snozberries taste like snozberries. <laughs> You're kind of like when Tyler was like four, and if there was anything green on his plate, he couldn't eat anything on his plate because there was green on there. No, it's, no, that's it's, fair. It, that's it a actually, valid response. It actually tastes like snozberries. <laughs> we were talking about a really disturbing trend. Personally, I love the trend when there were Christmas calendars and puzzles and stuff to raise money where there were, you know, some ladies from the book club are all old and they pose in the nude for the calendar to raise money. You remember mm-hmm. that? Yeah. I love that. Yeah. And I love the firefighters with kittens mm. trend. But yeah. there's a disturbing new trend out there. Dogs pooping. Yeah. Poop, dogs pooping and in calendars? beautiful places. Yeah. Yes. I saw a calendar that was... It actually said dogs pooping in beautiful places. That was the name well, of the calendar. I don't, I don't understand the people's need for watching dogs defecate. It, it sounds no. disgusting to me. I, I mean, if they want to see dogs defecate, just come over to my house a couple times a day. Why and while you... you're watching him defecate, take a bag out there and pick it up. Would right. You? <laughs> well, I, I can get like why you watch your own dog because you're going to have to pick it up, right? And you need to see if there's anything wrong with them. But why would you want to watch other people's dogs poop? No, I don't. I don't know. I don't like it. (laughs) Megan doesn't have a dog, so she doesn't count. I'm asking for, I'm asking. No, but I still, I still wouldn't buy it. I still think it's weird. I don't get it. I Well, that would be like having a calendar of like people sitting on the toilet. That's just, you know what happens, but I don't particularly want to have a calendar no. Picture of the day calendar of different people pooping on their toilet. Or yeah. pants around their ankles. Pooping in beautiful places. Yeah, no. That's Even just... if they're firefighters in kilts, I don't want to <laughs> see you on the toilet. I mean, I might buy that calendar. No, I wouldn't. Not if they were pooping. <laughs> Maybe There's something shower. that just you removes all of the sexiness from a person if they're in that context for me. Maybe. I don't know. Sitting on the toilet reading a magazine. Yeah. I mean, that's just the aut- an automatic no for me. I need to go to the mall and buy my 2024 calendar. Of dogs pooping? No. <laughs> no. You know how they always have that one store in the mall yes. that gets turned into the calendar store? If they had would one of Harry Styles all- pooping, would you buy it? Pro- um, I don't know. She would. She would. <laughs> <laughs> she, she was going to say yes. Probably, yes. Maybe. Her I gift know. idea for Megan. <laughs> you know what I'm not buying? Taylor Cause... Swift and Harry Styles pooping. Gross. Uh, no, I don't like it. I don't like it at all. Um, no, but what I'm not buying is, is 200 and, 220? 320. $220. 260. It was $260. Sweater. Sweater. That he just released in his merch bundle on his pleasing wine. Harry Styles has mer- a merch candle. Yes. That's $60. Yeah. It looks like it's about the size like the of size the bottom of, of a the, Coke can. Yeah. That's crazy. He yeah. has his own line of nail polish as well. The nail polish is actually badass. I like the nail yeah. polish. After, well, it, After what Gwyneth Paltrow gave us, I hate to ask what Harry Styles can- <laughs> <laughs> That's the same place my mind went to. I went... It doesn't even smell like I, a sperm. Why would you? Does it smell that? like his vagina? <laughs> I hope not. If, I mean, do you, Harry? Whatever you need to do, my man. That just doesn't sound right when you say that, Megan. Do you, Harry? Do you? Do you? Um, do Harry? I'm trying to see what the candle scent is. It might match his. He just released like fragrances, so it might match that. Let's see. It says top, and it says M. Ambrit seeds, lemon, black pepper, Madagascar, mid, 
white linen accord, poplin blossom, and then the oh, so it's like a layer. Yeah. Oh, weird. And then the oh. dry is am, ambrosia and skin musk. Hey, Bro. there's the sweat. Ew. There's the sweat. Ew. <laughs> but now y'all, I think when I hear musk is Elon Musk, and that's yeah. unfortunate. Yeah, Elon times have changed. Musk is a perfume name. <laughs> it has. Oh, I don't want to smell like him. I... No. Oh, this one's probably popular. Plum, tobacco leaves, orris butter. What's orris butter? I don't know. They just had tobacco leaves. Cedar that sounds wood. provocative. It's probably supposed to. Cedarwood, tonka bean, ab- absolute, vanilla absolute, Madagascar, and crisp amber. That one, actually, I would probably that, not spend. Uh, I was going to say. It's $80. Sorry. $80. It's $80. For something about the size of the base of a Coke can. Yeah. It's a bit absurd. Um, not at all related to candles. Uh, I have found my new pet peeve on TikTok. And it is when people are holding up books and like, I'm reviewing this book and they're holding it up and they haven't used the inverted filter. So every book is backwards. Or really anything. It'd be like if you bought something from the Harry Styles collection collection, and it had words on it yeah. and held it up and it was backwards. I'd be like, oh. what the fuck, Megan? It drives I'm me. just <laughs> scrolling. Uh, yes, I've re-recorded our TikToks when I forget to invert them because I'll be doing something and I'll be like, shit, and then I have to start over because I'll go to like hold something up and it's it drives me crazy. I'm like, how are you going to try to be like a book talker and every time you review something, it's backwards. You haven't inverted the Well, you're the not lens. really promoting the book very well if they can't read what yeah, it says. Exactly. exactly. Unless, of course, you're super talented like me and can read backwards. Well, I can read backwards, too. I can too, read it. But... It's just obnoxious. Agreed. Especially because when the filters first came out, you couldn't search them. So you had to, like, know what the icon looked like to figure out which filter you wanted. But now you can search, like, inverted, and it'll pop right up. So there's no excuse. Honestly, I have never used a filter on TikTok. I don't even know how to do it. Oh, it's super easy. I actually just have favorited the ones I use the most, so mm-hmm. I don't have to search for them every time. But if you're recording it in the TikTok app, you have to remember to turn the filter on. So PSA, TikTok influencers, invert your shit or I will not watch your video. And you don't want Megan not watching your video. Yeah. Because she's a TikTok Consumer, I am. What is it? She's swiping right, <laughs> swiping left, swiping left, swiping up, swiping up, swiping away. Is, is everybody done with their Christmas shopping? Has anyone started their Christmas shopping? I am. No, <laughs> I'm a little worried because. Well, really, that's kind of a lie. I have done a little Christmas shopping. You know, my son has been living with me for the last four months. Which is why she's now worried about trying to get the stains out of her toilet. Exactly. And uh, they just signed on their house this week. (laughs) Does that mean they're gone? Yes. (laughs) Freedom! Woo! I know. I bought them a couch for their Christmas present. I'm buying the kids a couch. We went and... Are you too? I was about to say, one of us has talked about a couch. You and I talked about it. Yep. So we went this Saturday. We had Thanksgiving dinner at freaking 1030 in the morning. Was done eating by done eating and picking up the kitchen by two and then we went shopping for a couch awesome there you go after drinking a whole pitcher of mimosas probably not the best <laughs> life choice i think we can celebrate the fact that they voted george santos out of congress did they, they did. jesus h freaking they christ okay here's the question I- though 
I heard it on heard it on NPR, and they said they had already changed the locks on his office. <laughs> <laughs> HR was like, "No, nah, bitch." Here we are, twenty minutes into the podcast, and actually an hour and twenty fucking minutes into the podcast because. Our shit fell apart. The computer just decided that it had had enough of our shenanigans and shut off. Wait, did you replug that in? Yes. I'm just double fucking checking. (laughs) (laughs) Since we unplugged it. Remember the time we had to redo it three times? Oh, my God. The night of three times. And that's not in a good way. Yeah, not in a good way at all. (laughs) The night of three times was not enjoyable for anyone involved. So we already did the entire podcast. Good thing I have a fucking steel trap up here. (laughs) This is Steel Trap Productions. (laughs) You think it's a joke, but there's a reason why we're named that. Not because it's your last name? Mm, Well, yeah, partially that, too. (laughs) No, it's, it's actually because it's a joke because I have such a terrible memory. I saw something on TikTok that I think would be a brilliant idea. Okay. Okay. Somebody had... they did a TikTok about a Christmas party, but it was dress up as your favorite Christmas carol. And you could make it like literal or imaginative. And this one chick came in and she was wearing a t-shirt that had balls on her chest and a fireplace on the underneath. Chestnuts roasting roasting on an open fire. fire. (laughs) I feel like we've talked about that shirt before. Well, you've seen the ball, my my ugly sweater with the balls. Yeah, but those are Christmas balls. These are regular testicles. Oh, my God. Why didn't you say testicles? Testicles on her chest on this shirt. That would be chesticles. (laughs) Chesticles. She had chesticles on her shirt over top of a... Fireplace. By the way, that sound of lapping you hear in the background. It's Echo. Getting a drink. She's thirsty. We like having her here. She's Sin- our therapy dog tonight. Yeah. <laughs> we need it tonight. We need some emotional support. God <laughs> oh, damn. Something happened that I never thought would happen. I'm reading Chain of Thorns by Cassandra Clare. And, and wh- where are we at this in the series? I don't It's like book 750. Okay. Uh, <laughs> um, and... I want to DNF it. It's so boring. <laughs> DNF it if you don't like it. No, but I have to finish it. Oh, my <laughs> Because God. if she writes, like, a third set of prequels, like, I'll need to know where we ended on this. At some <laughs> point. I've done that before. Been in the middle of a series, and you're like, I'm just, I'm committed now. I have to finish it. I don't care how bad it is. I think there should be a limit, though, to keep milking that poor dead cow. I love the Shadowhunters. I just think she has become so big that the editors are just like, do what you want. It feels like it needed like a fifth edit of 300 pages cut out, like a minimum of 150. She got a little wordy. Maybe, oh, I don't know, perhaps a different story. She does have a new book out that's not in the Shadowhunters universe. I haven't read it yet. It's on my shelf. But it's like an 800-page book, and I'm on page 490-something, and Mm. now something's, like, finally happening. And normally, I power through her books in, like, four days because I'm like, oh, my God, I can't put the book down. I have been reading that bitch for two weeks. Yeah. So if you can't get through it, maybe you need to take 
a break and read something else and go back this to This is like oh, marriage counseling or because something. Because I'm going to have to read something this week <laughs> for next week's show. You just need to show. take a break but. from each other for a while. Just a separate, just a trial well, separation, crazy, We were on a break. <laughs> we were on a break. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's a bit like, you know, the Stephen King book, Fairy Tale. You could take 300 pages out of that book and not lose anything. Keith loved that book. I know she did, but there. But anyway... But you know who else probably has a series that she wants to talk about tonight? Well, yes. <laughs> After we've <laughs> ranted about After we've trashed Cassandra people Claire. who write long novels. No, I still love series. Cassandra Clare and the Shadowhunter universe. They got me through life up to this point. I have faith that I won't hate this book at the end. <laughs> well, you can complain all you want and say anything you want about series, but Kingbridge is always going to be my happy place. Even though terrible things happen in Kingbridge, and I don't know why anybody lives there for extended periods of time. They clearly don't do their genealogical homework to know that they should leave there. They're into that thing. (laughs) Trauma. (laughs) Trauma porn. We already know Bonnie's into it, so tell us what is this magical tome you will be reviewing tonight. Well, if it's in Kingbridge, you know it's going to be a Ken Follett, Of course. The Armor of Light. And this is the newest sequel in his... It's not really a sequel. It's in the same universe, not the same people, not the same characters. It's still a sequel or a prequel to something. It's a a sequel. It does happen. It doesn't happen before it happens. If it takes place 300 years after the original book, is it still a sequel? Yes. I don't think it's quite 300 years. Terry Brooks's Shannara series has huge time jumps. Okay, listen. It could be a standalone. However, it is actually a sequel to his Pillars of the Earth um, because it happens in the same town um, with the same descendants of the original book. And it was wonderful and it was great. And in true Ken Follett style... It starts out with a man getting his legs crushed by a turnip cart. I would say by a turnip, a turnip. cart. Well, I was going to say truck, but there's not trucks. People who get, isn't that like a cliche? Truck. I didn't fall off the turnip truck yesterday. Nope. He had his legs crushed by one. Well, I'm sure somebody fell off that turnip truck because the wheel broke, crushed his legs. And of course, you know, this takes place in the late 1700s. That's when this book starts. And they didn't have the medical knowledge that we do now. So an injury like that is basically, even if you survive, you're going to be crippled for the rest of your life. You're going to be destitute because you can't earn a living. And it's not like they have welfare back then. He's a fairly young man, uh, married with a young child, with a young son. He dies. And the wife spins cloth as to help out their income, but it's not really enough to support her and her son. So her son, at the age of five years old, has to go to the mansion and be a full-time servant shining shoes. And as a full-time servant, he actually has to live there. He only sees his mom on weekends. And, you know, that's a lot for a little boy of five years old Your dad dies, and then you have to move out of the only home you've ever known. 
you're only five years old and you're thrown in this house and you have to work for a living. That's that's rough. That's a lot happening. It's yeah. a lot. But, of course, this book takes place over the span of like 40, 45 years or something. And uh, Kingbridge, like all of the other books, it's they depend heavily on the wool industry. The spinning jenny has already been invented by this point, but it's very new. So cloth is the main business in Kingbridge. Whenever you have strides forward in manufacturing, it's going to take less people to run the machines. It's going to be more self-sufficient. So in these wool factories that they have, there's layoffs because they need less people. Well, the employees strike. They don't like that they're losing jobs and losing money and have to less hours. And so they revolt against the bosses and, you know, talk about unionizing and everything else. And of course, you know, the owners don't like it because then they're losing money and, you know, they bring in strike breakers or what do you call it? Scabs. Scabs. Just like a lot of his other books, of course, there has to be a bad guy. And that is a gentleman who is rich and what he does to earn money is he'll buy all of these struggling companies or businesses and he'll buy them and make them more productive because he doesn't care about the workers. He doesn't care about their rights. So he'll figure out the cheapest way to run the business to make money and then, of course, makes himself richer. And because he owns so much of the town, a lot of the money in the town comes back to him. So it's almost like the people of the town become indentured. Yeah. yeah. Indentured yeah they'd be they like, become yeah. indentured to him because, you know, he owns everything. It kind of reminds me of, and I don't know if you guys have watched It's a Wonderful Life. It's been a long time. But if you remember, um, Potter was the owner of the bank, but he's also trying to by um, put George Bailey's business, which I think it was like a mortgage company, wasn't it? Like real estate? I think he did like mortgage loans. I've never watched this movie all the way through. Anyways, (laughs) but Potter wants to buy up everything in this town so that everybody has to bow down to him. And that was kind of like what the bad guy in this book was. And I don't remember names because it's been a while since I've finished it, but... And, of course, you know, people revolt and blah, blah, blah. Secrets are revealed. And there is a little bit of romance. You have uh, one gentleman who's in love with this one young lady. But she doesn't think that he's good enough stock. So, of course, she wants to marry somebody who's higher up and closer to royalty and so on and so forth. So, you know, he pines over her, blah, 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 so on and so forth. And... It's just a really good book. It's not as long as his other books. It's only 726 pages. Only 726? Oh, my God. I've got you beat by 75. (laughs) (laughs) See? (laughs) Megan beat me this week. What the hell? Not this week. Just Cassandra Clare. (laughs) (laughs) But it was a wonderful read. I loved it. Of course, you know, I read all of the other Pillars of the Earth before I read this one. So I had... 
a nice couple months in Kingsbridge, and it just makes me happy to be there. Nice couple, 125 hours in Kingsbridge. 125 hours or so in Kingsbridge. With all the trauma. With the trauma. But I'm like at a distance watching the trauma. (laughs) That's worse, I feel like. I'm not part of the trauma. It's like the Truman Show. (laughs) You're like up there watching. You're a trauma voyeur. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) That's it. But yeah, so if you feel like 22 hours of wonderful trauma porn, Armor of Light by Ken Follett is wonderful. And there is no yeeting of babies in this one, so... And there's very little animal cruelty. Oh, good. So that was a plus. Okay. Very good. Well, I'll take Keith's spot this week because I have our romance-ish book. Uh, And this week, I am reviewing 40 Words for Love by Asia Saeed. And I apologize if I butchered your name. I can tear up a name like nobody else. (laughs) So we have our two main characters. Uh, The first one is... Roth and Roth is a gola golub, which is like kind of fairy, but they're human sized. Like they're not little fairies, uh, but they came from another golub. Yes, G O U L B. I don't it's know how like a cross play. between a goblin and a golem. Sure, I don't know. All right, this is why I wrote it down because I knew I wouldn't remember. <laughs> He's in this town, and then Yaz is in this town. Yaz is human. And Roth is part of this other fairy-like community. And they came to this town through a tree that is a portal to their hometown. I thought you said this was a romance. This is fantasy, clearly. It's like a fantasy romance. Okay. I think they have a name for that now, actually. But they come through this tree when he was very little because their world is freezing over. So they escape out through this tree. There's other trees in other parts of the world. We don't meet those people on this go around. And I don't think she didn't intend this to ever like be a series. So you don't have to worry about the other trees. Uh, Cause I read a little thing after I finished the book. All right. So, um, so Roth is best friends with Yaz and they may or may not be in love with each other. We haven't decided yet. It's early on in the book, but what kicks this story off is this town is a huge tourist town because the water, they're on like the ocean, in front of this town is like vivid oranges and yellows and just like almost like the prettiest sunset, but in the water. And then one night, Yaz and her, the guy she was kind of seeing, talking to at the time, were off in a secluded corner during the fair. And his little brother drowns at the beach. So that happens really early, not a spoiler. But what prompt, what comes after that is kind of where our book picks up is that after that incident, the water is not colorful anymore. It's like gray and just basic water. So the town falls apart because the tourists stop coming. So everything starts getting closed up. Roth, uh, is, his family owns the diner in town, which is kind of the only thing left. Yaz's mom does some... Um, I don't want to say witchy things, but they're kind of witchy things with shells and like stress. And that's kind of limited things that they can do in this town at this point. Um, But Roth really wants to go to school to be an architect. But the problem is his, the, the guy that they call uncle, 
who came with them as kind of the de facto leader of their people, have told them that if they leave the perimeter for too long from the tree, that they will lose connection to the community and they will never be able to come home. And they have like a like a leaf tattoo on their arms. And he has told them that if they are outside that perimeter for too long, the leaf will disappear and then they're out of luck, basically. And so he is trying to figure out, like, can I go to college? If I can go to this college, am I going to be kind of excommunicated from my family? So he's struggling with that. Yaz is having a hard time because her dad's had to move out, basically, to find work because there's no work left in town um, because the family who had the son die were like the big candy manufacturers in town. And so when they left, the factory closed and their house is sat empty. Cue Warren moving in with his family. And we can't decide how we feel about Warren. He, it comes in and you're kind of like, do we trust him? Do we not trust him? We don't know what's happening. What are his parents up to? Cause they're like moved into that old, the old house and are rehabbing it. And you just can't decide like what their deal is. Um, the town decides to put a, the summer carnival back on because they're trying to impress Warren and his family to make them want to stay. And they own like a huge company. I can't remember what the company is, but they're trying to get his family to stay so that they maybe will build a part of their company in town so that the town will survive. Uh, and that's kind of where it goes without being able to give any spoilers out is whether... Are Roth and Yaz meant to be? Do we trust Warren and his family? Do we trust Uncle? We're not sure. We don't know because we only know what Uncle has told us and we can't decide if we trust him or not because he also gives off red flags. But it is a super cute book. It does. Oh, and then I forgot they, the some of the people in the town they call the Weepers because... They stand in on the beach in all black and just like cry into the ocean because the trauma of the town. So it's a lot of the story is uh, kind of like how to deal with grief, how to to move forward from grief, how to keep moving and all that kind of stuff. So it's a really good book. I would recommend it. I gave it four stars and that is 40 Words for Love by Asia Said. You're talking about orange water? Yes. And I was thinking, orange usually means toxic when it comes to water or rocks or paint or insects or True. Any other thing I'm thinking. Um, that would be toxic. It's not in this story. It's okay. it's not toxic. All right. You don't find out that it's like polluted, terrible, or anything like that. <laughs> right. <laughs> there's a reason quite- why there's a shine on that water. Yeah. No, it it yeah. I hate to tell you, but usually those colors are on there when there's oil, oil. in the water. <laughs> yeah, no. It's magic. It's not. It's what Lake Erie looks like. That's <laughs> <laughs> why it burned. All right, Pat. Would you? I would, am going to. What? Would you like to share with the class what you brought today? <laughs> <laughs> For the second fucking time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so I read uh, actually three novellas that form a cycle or a series by Stephen King and Richard Chismar. Till collectively, they're the Gwendy's Button Box trilogy. 
and the, the three novellas are Gwendy's Button Box, Gwendy's Magic Feather, and Gwendy's Final Task. The interesting thing I found about these books, besides the story of the book, is that you get a little insight into how this collaboration worked. Stephen King gives us a little insight into how they did this collaboration. He began writing the first novella and he got stuck. Wasn't sure how he wanted to end it, wasn't sure what to do with it, laid it aside for a while, and then eventually offered it to a friend of his who's also an author, this Richard Chismar, and said, do you want to take a stab at finishing it? And he did pretty well, I would add. And so then after that, Chismar approached King and asked permission to use those characters or that the, the primary character at any rate again and write a sequel, which he did. And then the two of them collaborated once again on the third book, which just came out last year. So you get a, a sense for like what the participation was that King created the universe while well, it's set in his Castle Rock universe. So kind of created this whole thing and set it in motion. Chismar picked it up, carried the ball down the field, and then came back on his own and then and they finished up together. So you get what to me was interesting was while I enjoyed all three books, I found the first and the third more memorable. I don't know if that's because my because subconsciously I was going, wow, Stephen King was in on these two, but this guy I don't know was the sole author of the second one. But I wasn't consciously aware at the time that of enjoying the second one any less than the other two. It's just that in retrospect, the first and the third have remained more vivid to me in my memory. The second one kind of fades out a little bit. The premise behind all three of these books is that this fairly young girl, when we first meet her, Gwendy Peterson, who's the main character of all three books, Gwendy is called upon to be the caretaker of a really unique object which is given to her by a mysterious man who shows up one day when she is out running for exercise because Gwendy is on the transition from elementary school to middle school. She's been teased about being overweight by cruel kids at school, and she's determined that she is going to get herself in shape. So one, one day while she's out for a run, she's stopped by this guy whose dis distinguishing feature is a bowler sort of hat, which occasionally she sees, she will see the hat, but not him and think, oh, he's watching me. He's checking up on me. He's uh, not really elderly, somewhere between middle-aged and elderly black man in a very dapper, but somewhat outdated suit and this bowler hat. And he presents her with a box that has eight buttons on the top and a lever on each side. And he gives her a rundown on what these buttons can do. Six of the buttons are match up to continents, all the continents minus us, uh, Antarctica. The buttons on each end have the ability, when she pushes, if she were to push one of these continental buttons, something bad would happen on one of, on the continent that corresponds to the button. The button on one end is a red button and it means she can make something happen, something that she wants to focus on and make happen. The black button on the other end makes bad shit happen. It is, she calls it the cancer button. If you push that button, disaster is coming, whether it's to one person or the whole world. So that's what the box can, that's what she can do with the box if she were to want to. 
The box also gives her two different things. One lever dispenses gold coins for, I think, 1891, Morgan silver dollars, something like that. Coins which are, they are genuine and uncirculated in mint condition and worth seven to $800 a piece on the coin collector's market. The other lever dispenses little chocolates, very detailed animal shapes of the most delectable chocolate she has ever tasted. And these chocolates, when she, whenever she eats one, they improve her, they help her develop kind of a, a net, well, almost an aversion to overeating so that her weight naturally comes to be what she wants it to. They make her, even though she's already smart, they make her even smarter. She becomes the smartest kid in school, the most beautiful girl in school, the most athletically successful. Just they, I mean, she becomes this paragon, but she's gotten that way through eating the chocolates. She wonders, those are the two things she's experienced, getting the money, eating the chocolates and seeing what they do to her. But she wonders if the whole story about the buttons on the top of the box are really true or not. So she conducts a test. She does some research. I mean, she, remember she's just going into like seventh grade. So she's still a pretty young person, but she researches and tries to find an area that's remote and very, very lightly populated. So if something bad does happen, the fewest number of people would be affected. And she settles on Guiana in South America and she thinks about the country of Guyana and she pushes the button and nothing seems to happen. But the next day in the news is the story about the Jonestown massacre. And she internalizes that and thinks, oh my God, I caused that. So she is really paranoid about the box. She keeps it hidden away. She doesn't, she never tells anyone about it. And she feels like even though she's just a kid, she's carrying a considerable weight on her shoulders. I can't really go into much detail about what happens in the other two novellas without giving too many spoilers away about the first one. But suffice it to say, Gwendy's called on two more times in her life to be the caretaker of this object. Other people have been the caretaker in the interim, we find out. But it comes back to her three times total in her life. And each time her relationship with the box changes a little bit. In the first novella, it is, except for the possibility that she may have been responsible for the massacre of almost a thousand people. Barring that, most of its other effects in her life are pretty positive. Her family and home life improves. She improves. She's uh, every, She gets pretty much whatever she wants, except there are some negative consequences, but I don't want to go into the spoilers. But in the other two novellas, each time she comes into the possession of the box, her relationship with it changes because the nature of the box seems to be changing and it is getting darker. By the final, by the end of the final novella, the box is very dark indeed. And there is a very faint tie-in. I think if, actually, I'm not even sure I would have put it together if I hadn't seen it mentioned in someone else's criticism of the book. There's a faint tie-in to the Dark Tower series. I've only read a little bit of the Dark Tower series, not the whole thing by any means. So that might be why I didn't pick up on that quite as strongly. I found all three of them enjoyable, but like I said, first and third installments, the most memorable. You could almost skip the second one if you wanted to, but none of them are that long. I listened to them in audiobook, and they range in the neighborhood of 
four to six hours, I think, for each one. So it's not a Ken Follett-sized commitment. You can zoom through these pretty <laughs> quickly. And that is Gwendy's Button Box, Gwendy's Magic Feather, and Gwendy's Final Task by Stephen King and Richard Chismar. Awesome. I also read those books. Since they were really short, I, I probably never would have re- reviewed them because I just don't like to do the little ones. But I like the way you did that because it was perfect. I wasn't going to do Wendy's, but and then when I went back and went, oh, look, there's two more. Together, and, they're not even a, even a long Stephen King book. No, what you said about the middle one is really true. And I, I didn't re- even really realize it at the time that that was the connection between Richard Chismar and Stephen King on those particular novels. But uh-huh. I felt the same way about the middle one that you did for no particular reason. So, Yeah, just, just didn't grab me as much as the first and the last. Yep. Okay, I guess I'll get on it. Yep. This week, I'm going to review None of This is True by Lisa Jewell. Oh, it's been a minute since we've had Lisa yep. Jewell in the, his house. She is back. And twisty as ever. Main character Alex has a podcast and a perfect husband and two kids and a beautiful house and whatnot. And she runs into this girl that she went to high school with, I think. I don't remember what their original um, connection was, but Alex doesn't realize that there's a connection there. Basically, they were born on the same day in the same hospital. So they're birthday twins. So Josie uses this as an excuse to make contact with Alex. Because Alex is semi-famous. She has a podcast. And she's beautiful. And she has all of the things that Josie does not have. And so I think... The original, the way she approaches it is that this would make a great, her, that Josie's story would make a great podcast. So she's trying to talk Alex into doing this. Well, Alex is kind of in between true crime projects. And so she, Josie, is married to a really much older man. And she has a couple of kids with him. They have kind of an unusual situation. And so that they start talking about this on the podcast. Alex's husband doesn't even really know that she started a new project. She kind of does it on a whim. And then she doesn't, she's not really honest with her husband about what the connection is between her and Josie. She basically tells her husband that the the, the podcast is about birthday twins. Well, before you know it, Josie has insinuated herself into their lives in a really... Insinuated? That's a really good way to put it if you see what Mm -hmm. happens. She shows up. That's not insinuated. Oh, yeah, it is. No, that's not the right word. Okay, so what's the word? I don't know, but it's not insinuated. You insinuate something. I think it works. I think there is a use of insinuate that's that's like that. Yeah, I'm I'm going with it. But anyway, she shows up at their house initially because she has been, she's bloodied and she has, her face is a mess. And she basically says that I've been 
you know, my husband and I have gotten in a fight. I have nowhere to go. And so she basically invites herself to stay with them and semi refuses to leave. Hey, so you were right. Another definition is slide slowly and smoothly into position. It's exactly what she does. Okay. And it's super, super uncomfortable for Alex because she doesn't want her there. And she's doing all kinds of weird shit while she's there. And it's freaking everybody out. But yet, she just can't seem to get rid of this girl. And all the while, she's making this podcast. It, the, group, the book is super creepy. It was creeping me out by the end. Um, and the ending was not great. Uh, that's really my only criticism of the book as a whole is, is that the ending was a little on the weak side. But it was a very crunchy, delicious little snack of a book that, will, that really just kind of took me out of my own head for a little while. And a little palate cleanser for my usual fare. So I recommend it. I mean, it was a fun read. And that was None of This is True by Lisa Jewell. I've read one other book of hers, um, Invisible Girl, and I would say she is a master of unreliable narrators. Yes, she is. Yes. Um, And there Mm. is a, it just depends on how you look at it. I don't really look at it that way. I think a good story is a good story, and I'm not looking at it from that lens. Maybe I just really like unreliable narrators. I don't know. (laughs) See, and I don't. The only one I've ever really liked was that book you hate, um, Girl on a Train. Because she is an unreliable narrator. I know. I just did not like the main character of that book. See, and I ate that book up. I was like, here for it. I love that book. I know. (laughs) I was the the outlier Mm -hmm. on that. Ugh. Don't, don't, my yum. (laughs) Speaking of sequels, that seems to be the only thing Megan does in her spare time is look at fucking sequels of everything. I need. She got House of the Dragon on the brain now. It just posted. They're getting, we're getting our first look at House of the Dragon season two tomorrow, which is Saturday. So if you're listening to this on Sunday, you could have looked at it yesterday. Yeah, whatever. Give me Matt Smith. Any day. <sighs> Funny, because I've gone the other way. I'm, I just finished Game of Thrones, and I've gone back kind of not in a prequel sense of the story, but the actors that made me go back, and I've been re-watching The Avengers, Diana Rigg, Lady Olena Tyrell's oh. early series from the mid-60s, where oh. she was a female action hero. And if you've never watched... What I think of as the real Avengers, sorry, Marvel people, the real I, Avengers. I was Diana really trying to figure out who in House of Dragon was. I mean, there probably are some now that were in Marvel. I was like, who in Game of Thrones was his an Avenger? She was the she was the <laughs> mother of one of the girls. Which one of the girls was she the mother of? She's the mother-in-law, isn't she? She she's the one who poisoned Joffrey. Yes. Yeah, oh, okay. She's the one yeah. that finally got that asshole yeah. out of the way. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. And she's the grandmother so of she's Marjorie. She's the hero. Okay. She grandmother. I knew that there yeah. was there was Spoil- some, spoiler alert there. if you yeah. didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I think the spoiler warning is over on that one. <laughs> but you yeah, know what? That character out. in in Game of Thrones, I could totally see that being like my own grandmother. Because she was Same. like really nice and sweet and everything, but she'll poison your ass if you think that. No, my yeah. grandmother was just straight up not nice and straight up that character. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> I don't know if my, I guess it would just depend on what was happening. If my grandmother felt the need to poison somebody, it's like she was nice, but she was also direct and kind of mean, but in a very nice voice. That's mean just, in a nice yeah. voice. I like that. Mean so in a nice you, voice. If you want to see see Lady Oana Terrell, fifty years younger, wearing some fine Carnaby Street fashions from the sixties London era. And kicking ass with a kind of tongue-in-cheek, funny, super superhero sort of sense. Get on BritBox, it's on there, and watch The Avengers. Is she wearing awesome. flared leggings or... Uh... Cats, <laughs> lots and lots of, in fact, uh, jumpsuits. jumpsuits used to be called Emma Peelers after oh, her character. yes, yes, that's uh, right, yep. I am not getting BritBox because I already have every other subscription on the planet. And they put Doctor Who on Disney Plus, so now I don't have to try to they get. They put Doctor Who on Disney. Yeah, that's Megan. You've Disney. got you've got Prime, Shirley. I do. I do have Prime. Britbox is on Prime. <gasps> what? Shut you up. have to pay extra though. Oh. Do you? Yeah. Oh. Wow. I don't know. Ron does all that. I just watch it. Yeah, uh, because BBC is a ABC affiliate, I believe, and Disney owns ABC. Uh. They're all yeah. They're in all bed like with connected. each other. Which is yeah. fine because it's not airing on BBC America, so it's the only way you can watch it. Dang. I think. And I sure did get a... I don't, yeah, Saturday afternoon last week, I was like, no one talk to me. I'm watching Doctor so Who. So next week, we're having girl dinner from Sprouts, yeah, uh, yes. obviously. I wish I had remembered that Sprouts had boar, boar's head lunch meats. So we'll just make up weird dinners like roll rolling ham up. Bonnie yep. likes to roll her turkey. But Bonnie, what do you put? You you told us earlier you put something weird in your rolled up it's turkey. It's not weird. It is. It's fucking weird. A pickle spear. You no. take a pickle spear and you roll it up in the turkey meat and you eat it like a like a roll up. Why? Only if you're gonna leave the pickle intact. The pickle cannot be compromised. The pickle is too big if you keep it intact. No, I don't. That sounds terrible. But Unless then your you pickle like to meat small, ratio like is wrong. The pickle to meat ratio is yeah. perfect yeah. if you use more meat. I've actually used, it's not, it wasn't gherkin, but it was a mini dill pickle. Oh, yeah. mini dill would be perfect. See, those <laughs> are just that. absolutely perfect. They're not too juicy. Yeah. That's and I the kinda, perfect pickle for the that. The only problem is it's not quite long enough. So I kind of had to burrito it. Mm. Oh. So yeah. I made a turkey burrito with a pickle middle. I just, it, it's basically going to be a charcuterie board up in this bitch. Yeah. You're going to have pickles and turkey. turkey. I'm going to have ham and salami. Martha's going to have, I don't know, fruit and things. Fruit. Fruit and pretzels. shit. <laughs> There'll be when no you're, shit. When you're planning the meal, you got to remember. because Jeez. Start- if, if we go to the candy section mm-hmm. and we're perusing the choices, you got to look on the bag. If it says on the bag, fat-free... That's practically a salad. It is. It's practically a salad. <laughs> if it's fat-free or gluten-free on the front of the candy bag. I'm not eating that candy. It's practically a salad. <laughs> bit of honey yeah. is practically a salad. <laughs> it's like yes. honey is healthy. It's got little bits of nuts. So there's your protein. It it's, is. It's just, it's per, It's the perfect food. Honey, and yeah, did you know healthy. that honey, <laughs> the honey is a natural antibiotic? Is it though? It's, it is. So we will eat our bit of honey and be healthy, and you can eat your pig cheese. 
in being big not cheese, healthy. Cheese. <laughs> I didn't eat any of the cheese today. I don't eat all the cheese. Because it's forehead. Yeah. Her. <laughs> big cheese. I will eat my pig ham. Oh, my God. Speaking of pig, I've got to tell you, I was talking to somebody that I work with who's a little twisted. Love her. She's wonderful. Name's Amanda. She's recommended books for me. I was talking to her about something that we could do for Christmas decorations and make it very Christmassy, but also have a tie into a book. I told her I could make a snowman head. We could put it on a stick, put it in the middle of the cubicle, and make a bunch of little gnomes holding torches around (laughs) it. Lord of the Snowman? I think that good. should be my next project. Oh, my God. I think God. that's a great idea. I think you should. <laughs> yeah. I think you should have that in your cubicle. You might get uh, recommended for... HR might be questioning <laughs> life choices. You, but... might, you might get a little visit from the, the HR fairy. The HR fairy. <laughs> the HR fairy and the, the company counselor is going to come and visit you as well. They're going to say, you know, we have services that are free. <laughs> I mean... You can talk to somebody about <laughs> these feelings the benef- you have. <laughs> the benefits number will just be slid onto your desk. <laughs> Real quietly as someone walks by. Those be Mental like, health is very important to our company. <laughs> You'll be like, Vani, did you know that this is included with your insurance? You should call them. Uh, but, I mean, basically, yeah, we're going to have girl dinner, salad... I think we should do that every Friday night, and it'll just get more elaborate as we go, and pretty soon the charcuterie board will sort of, we could just use this whole counter <laughs> as a charcuterie board. Can you, can you hear the morning crew coming in here on Monday and just being like, why does it smell like a goddamn deli all over the studio? It smells like feet and sausage in here. <laughs> <laughs> they're going to be like, what happened? And then they're going to text you at 4.30 in the morning and be like, where are the leftovers? No, they'll just go dig in my fridge. <laughs> <laughs> Jokes on them. I'm taking my boar's head with me. <laughs> so speaking of Martha's real job. Yeah, because we're in the radio we're studio. We're in the radio now. studio. So there was a, there was, I ran into the studio the other day. I was like, Martha, I saw a TikTok that I need to know if this is true. And it was a station in like England or Australia or somewhere. And apparently if they're on air and... It goes radio silent, like there's nothing, like it's dead air. There is like an emergency track that after a certain amount of time will like trigger. Now, thankfully, our station does not do that sort of thing. We do have or did have before we changed over to all this fancy stuff. Yeah. We had an emergency CD that had a bunch of songs already preloaded on it, and then you would just put it in the CD player. But we no longer have a CD player. So So this morning show, in wherever they were, they were like, we want to know what the trigger is. Like, A, how long do we have to be silent? And B, what the actual song, like actual hell song is going to be triggered. So they went radio silent in the middle of their morning broadcast, and it starts, and it finally comes on, and it starts off, and it's like this sexy voice. It's like... Look into my eyes. Read my lips. And it's like talking. And they're all looking at each other like, what in the hell? On a hot summer night, <laughs> would you offer your throat to the wolf with no, the it's red not roses? That. Yes. It's not that. Yes. No, it's not that. It's like an early 80s song, though. I, yes. I know what song you're talking about. And so they just kept letting it play because they didn't know what it song it was. And they're all like, what song? And they're kind of like 
jamming out and then it hits like right before the lyrics actually start and they're like is this whatever and then the like girl in the morning show loses her mind like it's fangirl she's like yes it is she's like singing and like dancing and they're like we've got to update this emergency track <laughs> no one's touched it in 15 years <laughs> it just goes to show you that you don't really need that yeah yeah, because if you haven't used it in fifteen years, I guess nobody's ever silent. But, <laughs> but I feel like they. I feel like you'd have to pick like a random '90s song at this point now. Like it would have to be like one A that you don't play like regularly. Yeah, like, but if you picked a '90s song, it'd be like old, like really quick. See, that's it's, the problem yeah. is that CD that we put together. We did. What year was that? It was uh, twenty. 12 maybe 2012 or 2013 was when we put it together by the time we got to when we actually needed to years like three years ago we didn't recognize any of the songs <laughs> that's what makes it so good though no but they weren't good songs <laughs> that's what makes it good <laughs> what, you, what you need for the, what that station needs for its emergency song 90s song that will guarantee they never go off the air because martha will do anything 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 to keep that song from ever playing the macarena you fucking bitches nasty whores put that in my head and now i'm not gonna be able to get rid of it again for another 15 years that's gonna be our now we've met our minimum profanity that's what we needed thank you that's gonna be our emergency our emergency song is gonna be our of, uh, it's a good thing Echo can't hear because she probably told me freaking out right now. They are doing all this yelling. Good thing Our there's quota of profanity. We're just going to push a button. It's going to go, motherfucker, you nasty whore. <laughs> <laughs> and that's going to do it for Three Book Girls. If you made it this far, you are truly bookish. So go to Facebook and join your fellow book lovers on the Three Book Girls Squad. Follow Three Book Girls on socials and be on the lookout for their next live event. Proud of their lack of shelf control, Three Book Girls is a Steel Trap production. <laughs>